James chapter 1, verse 16, James continues with these words. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The faith of Christ and our faith in Christ is so central, is so intrinsic to the message of the gospel that James has it at the forefront of his mind in every word that he writes in this epistle. The reality of faith of living by faith, of walking by faith, of overcoming by faith, runs, as it were, as a golden cord through every word that James writes. When he speaks of our temptations and our trials, faith in Christ is the answer. It's Christ who keeps us. It's Christ who saves us. It's Christ who leads us. It's Christ who watches over us. It's Christ who will deliver us. James's constant exhortation is to look unto Christ. Walk by faith. And not walk in a presumption of faith. Or with a mere claim to faith. Don't just say that you have faith. Don't just claim to live by faith. Believe. Believe in Christ. Trust in the Saviour. Look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. Do not err, my beloved brethren, James exhorts. Do not err. How do we err? When we look to our own goodness, our own will, our own righteousness, for any merit before God. When we in any way think that something about us or something that we do will cause God to favour us, to bless us, to be pleased with us. When we in any way, shape or form turn from salvation by grace and grace alone, through faith and faith alone, 
when we turn from faith in Christ alone to trust in our will. When temptations come, when trials come, should we turn from looking unto Christ alone to our own strength, our own will, our own understanding to overcome, then we err. Salvation is by grace alone. It is by the will of God, not our will. It's through the righteousness of God, not our righteousness, not our works. It's through God sending his Son in the place of wretched, dead sinners who would do nothing but die, who would do nothing but turn from God, who were at enmity with God, who were lost, who in exercise of their will ran from God, rebelled against God. In such a world of darkness and sin, God sent his Son to be a ransom for sinners, to redeem sinners, to deliver them from their sins. He sent his Son. He came from heaven's glory into the darkness of this world and sent forth his light in the person of his Son and sent his Son to the place of execution at Golgotha where he was nailed to a tree in the place of sinners, where he bore their sins, where he suffered the outpouring of God's wrath against that sin, to wash them clean, to bring in the righteousness of God, to deliver them from their captivity. This is the will of God, to save his people from their sins. And it's this and this alone that makes any believe and any to differ from another. Do not err, my brethren. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. God looked upon his people in mercy and in grace. He pitied them and he sent forth salvation. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Salvation is a gift. It begins as a gift. It's always a gift. Our life as believers is by grace and grace alone from start to finish. Do not err, my beloved brethren. How do we err? When we blame God for our trials. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived it, bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth 
forth death. Well, yeah, when in temptation we blame God. Why hast thou brought this upon me? Why am I thus? Well, yeah, when we turn from trusting God alone in the midst of our trials, when we feel he has abandoned us, when we turn to our own strength or our own will to overcome our problems, in short, when we turn from grace to anything of self, do not err, my beloved brethren. Oh, how subtle this is. How subtly we can turn. We may claim to believe in grace. We may say that salvation is by grace alone. We may say that we have been saved by grace alone. We profess it. But when we feel like we can overcome our daily troubles, our trials, by our own will or our own strength, when we feel we can save ourselves from this matter or this trouble, then we show where our trust and our will lays. Then we show that we trust ourselves and not God. It's so easy to believe that God is our saviour. But then in the day-to-day trials that come our way, we turn to our own strength again, as though God isn't there. He was there at the beginning. He was there when he delivered us from our sins. He was there in the past when he led us to the tree and pointed us to his son and we saw in his son our sins washed away. But now... Years later, this trial comes upon us and we live and we act as though God's not there, as though we're on our own, as though he's just pointed us in a a pathway and said, do your best. So we struggle through and we do our best as though he's not there. How slow we are to fall upon our knees before him. How slow we are to say, Lord, I'm nothing, I'm lost, I'm helpless. Help me, save me at this hour, lead me, give me thy wisdom, give me thy grace. We err when we turn from faith unto sight, when our judgment is by that which we see, not by that which is revealed in the gospel, which only faith sees. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every gift we receive comes down from God. Salvation is a gift. It's not earned. It's not merited. It's not produced by something we do, by our own will. It's a gift. And it comes from above. We may turn 
We may blow hot and cold. We may be strong one day and weak another day. Our faith may seem strong one day and then it's gone from us another day. We vary, but God doesn't. He's constant. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, not a slight, not in a moment, not a bit. He's constant. He's constant in grace. He's constant in mercy. God doesn't change. There's no variableness in him. There's no shadow of turning. We vary. We turn. But he doesn't. His grace towards his people is constant. It's abounding. It came forth from eternity. It flows in love throughout all time. From the beginning of the world to the end. It extends into eternity. From before the foundation of the earth, he set his love upon his people. He chose them in Christ. They were chosen, elected under salvation. He purposed to save them. And throughout the ages and the generations, he watched as they came forth into the world. As they turned their backs upon their maker as they were plunged into sin, as they ran away in their rebellion and their enmity against their God. And he sent his son into the darkness of a rebellious world to bring about his purpose, to bring about his will in salvation, to deliver them to deliver his people from their sins. He never wavered from his purpose. Throughout all time, all events, all circumstances, all history led up to the coming of Christ. When Christ was born, all the events of history, all the circumstances of his birth, were according to the eternal will and purpose of God. Christ grew. Christ went out to minister, to preach the gospel of the kingdom. He came unto his own and his own received him not. He was rejected by all. Yet he continued. His face was set like a flint towards Jerusalem. He headed towards the cross. He headed towards the death that he must die. There was no turning, there was no variableness. He was not turned, he was not put off by the rejection of men, by the reception he received in this evil world. Even his own, even his disciples who were with him and heard him so long weren't there for him at the end. They slept when he suffered, when he was in torment in Gethsemane. They deserted him at the cross. Yet his love for them was constant. His love for them never diminished. 
his grace continued to flow forth. He went to the cross and he did all that he must do in order to save his people from their sins. He was plunged into the abyss in the darkness. The wrath of God poured out upon him as he bore his people's sins. He was forsaken by all. And he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Oh, what he suffered. Yet he never turned. He never turned. God gave in his Son the greatest gift. His Son came to give himself as a ransom for sinners. He gave himself for those he loved. He gave the greatest gift of salvation of righteousness, of everlasting life. He brought the light of God's truth in the gospel into the darkness of this world. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. He is the Father of lights. All light, all truth comes down from him. Outside of him and his word, there is but darkness, but death, only sin, only lies. All truth, all light comes down from the Father of lights. All truth, all light is found in Christ and Christ alone. Has God brought you to this light? Has he shone something of this light into your heart? Or are you yet blind, stumbling about in the darkness? James goes on, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, of his own will, begat he us with the word of truth. Did you ever seek God? Have we ever sought God by nature? Where has our will taken us? It sought our own things, our own way, our own glory. If ever we come to consider religion, our own will seeks salvation by its own choice, for its own glory. And it rejects the revelation of the God who is sovereign in salvation. We will happily bow down to an idol. There are many who will speak of a Jesus who does their bidding. 
there are many who will speak of making a decision for their Jesus, who stand pleading for them to receive him. They have no trouble with a Jesus that is there to be accepted or rejected by their own will. But when we hear the word of truth that sent from the Father of lights, that comes down from a sovereign God and declares that salvation is by God's will alone, then we reject. But salvation comes as a gift from above, sent to those to whom God will send it. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. We believe we live because God chooses to beget us by his word of truth. Of his own will. It is all of God, entirely of God, all of grace. And it comes by his word, through the truth, as it is revealed unto that faith which he gives unto us to believe and receive it. Except we hear and believe the word of truth, we lie in darkness. Except God comes unto us in the midst of time with his gospel and speaks unto us and makes us to hear, we will go forever stumbling about in the darkness. We may be left in religion. We may have profession. We may say we, we believe this, we're convicted of this, but we're left in darkness to the true and the living God. We don't know him. We have a profession, we have a presumption, we may speak of a Jesus, we may speak of what he's done, but our understanding is carnal. It's our conception. It's a Jesus that does our bidding. We're blind to the truth and the reality of the God who is the Father of lights. But there comes a time for the child of God, for the believer, when God comes unto him and awakens him and opens his eyes to see that all he thought he knew before was darkness, was error. And he reveals unto him Christ as he truly is, as the King of kings, as the Lord of lords, as the creator of heaven and earth, as the God who of his own will brings sinners unto life. When we hear this gospel, when we hear this word of truth, when we're given faith to hear it and believe it, then the scales of our blindness fall from our eyes. Then we see ourselves as we truly are, as wretched, blind sinners then we see God as he is, the Father of lights. Then we hear, faith hears. Faith hears the gospel. Faith hears the word of truth. There's no salvation without this word. We must hear it. 
We must hear Christ. We must hear his voice in the gospel. Not just the words. We can't just read and presume upon things. We must hear his voice. It must come unto us in power. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. We need God to come with that word and bring us by his spirit unto life. He quickens us, he begets us, he causes us to be born again. Ye must be born again, Christ says. And when he comes in the power of his gospel to his people, they believe because he quickens them unto life. Paul writes in Ephesians in chapter 1 that we read earlier, Constantly of the will of God. If you read through Ephesians 1 repeatedly, he speaks of the will of God and his predestination of his people. It was God's will to choose a people, to send his son to die for that people, to redeem that people and to bring them unto life by his word. In verse 13, Paul writes, In whom, in Christ ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And what brings us to hear the word of truth? What brings us to hear the gospel of salvation? What brings us to trust in Christ? The will of God does. He looks at us through all eternity and he says, You're mine. And in time you're brought under the gospel to hear it, to hear Christ speak unto you through it and to speak unto you in particular and say, I loved you and gave myself for you. Has he come unto you and said that in the gospel? Can you describe that gospel as the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation? In Colossians, Paul also writes, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you since the days ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Paul rejoices that the Colossians had heard the word of the truth of the gospel and God through that word had quickened them unto life and given them faith so that they would know the grace of God in truth. They didn't just profess it. They hadn't just heard of it. They knew it. They knew the reality of it. They had a living faith. And Paul heard of their faith in Christ Jesus and the love which they had to all the saints. It evidenced their faith. This wasn't a profession of faith. It was seen. It was lively. They loved the truth. They loved their brethren. They loved their Lord. They live by faith. And it's the word of the truth of the gospel that brought this to them.
We must hear the gospel. And we must hear that gospel as it comes forth from the Father of lights, like a shining light in the darkness, when he magnifies his Son and points us towards him and says, Hear my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Behold the Lamb of God, which is offered for you. Look unto him. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Salvation is by grace, by the will of God, by election. We are chosen by God in grace unto salvation. He has a people in this world whom he will bring this gospel to. If you're brought to hear this gospel, what a joy that is. God singles out those whom he will preach to. He comes here and there. He brings the sound of the truth to a town, to a place. There are many he may go by. We read in the Acts of the Apostles, we read in the time of Christ, they went to this place, but they didn't go to that place. He will send it where he chooses. The Spirit bloweth where it listeth. God will come with his gospel to those places and to those people whom he has chosen to save. If you're hearing this here, he may never come back. You may never hear it again. He may come in the darkness in which you dwell, shining forth the light, presenting Christ before you, and you may see for a moment, but he may wander past, he may head off another way, you may never hear again. Listen. Is he speaking to you? Behold the Lamb of God. Salvation is by grace, by the will of God, through his gospel, not of works, lest we should boast, not of the will of man, for who ever is willing. Paul makes clear in Romans 3 that there is none that willeth. There's none that's righteous. There's none that sought after God. None, no one does by nature. There are many religious, but there's none that seeks after the true and the living God. We go our own way. And if we wish to climb to heaven, we go our own way to heaven. We have no time for God. When Christ came into the world, John says, he was the light shining in the darkness. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Are you in the darkness? Are these just words that wash over your head? Well, if they do, there's a reason. The darkness can't comprehend the truth. It's just words, it's just opinions. None of us can. John goes on, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There are those whom God comes unto in the darkness, who receive him, because by his will they are born, they are quickened again, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But of God. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. First fruits of his creatures. We see that in Ephesians 1 that we read earlier. That the predestination of God's people is to make them fruitful. They're a fruitful people. Faith brings forth a reality. It's not mere words. There's a reality to it, as James will go on to show us in his epistle. There's a reality of truth about it. We're fruitful. In Revelation, John saw this vision. Revelation 14, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. These he chose to save when he quickened them from the dead when they were crucified with Christ, when their sins were blotted out, he lifted them up from the grave in his Son, and they came forth with Christ, the firstfruit. They came forth wed to him, one with him, as firstfruits, living fruits, one with Christ, quickened from the dead, 
but now alive forevermore. They have everlasting life. They have a living faith that weds them to their Saviour. They live and walk by faith. Their constant gaze is towards Christ. They cannot live without him. He is their life. They are as trees, as branches upon his tree. They are in his vine. They bring forth fruit because he gives them fruit. He is their life. He is the sap that flows through them. They cannot look elsewhere for salvation. They cannot look elsewhere for direction in their life. If they turn in their trials and temptations to anyone or anything else, if they turn to themselves, to their own will, to their own strength, they will wither on the vine. There's only death in self. But in Christ, he's that which makes them lively. They live in him. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. Therefore, be swift to hear, slow to speak and slow to wrath, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. How sure we are of ourselves. How men love to speak and declare their own opinion, their own thoughts. But it's all darkness outside of Christ. Oh, how we should listen for his word. James' exhortation here to be swift to hear. Slow to speak and slow to wrath is because only the word of truth that comes down to us from God can bring life. Our speech and our anger, our wrath in response to the truth can only bring death. But life comes by the word of truth. From God, Where does our speech get us? Where do our thoughts, our opinions get us? Where does our natural speech, thought, opinions, wisdom lead us? Simply to oppose the truth. To close our ears to it. To reject the gospel. Indeed, left to ourselves. We put the Son of God to death. That's where our speech gets us. That's where our wrath gets us. To crucify the very one who can save us. And we did crucify the very one who can save us. Every time we have rejected his word, every time we've dismissed the gospel, Every time we've ridiculed it in our hearts. Every time in our hearts we've said there is no God. Every time we've turned our back upon God, we've nailed a nail in Christ. We've nailed him to the tree. We've said in our hearts, away with this man. He will not reign over us. We will not have him to reign over us. 
Crucify him, crucify him. We've slammed the nails in his hands to put him to death. That's where our speech and our wrath has got us. We crucify the Lord of glory. But through that death, because he died, God manifested the righteousness of God. We exercise the wrath of man in our rebellion towards him. But God manifested his righteousness. What we meant for evil, he used for good. We exercise our will in rejecting Christ and his salvation. But God, through his will, sent his Son, the greatest gift, down from above for sinners such as you and I. The Father of light sent forth his Son into the darkness to be offered up as a sacrifice for sin. He sent forth his Son to take away sin, to blot out transgressions, and to manifest the righteousness of God. And his Son, in perfect faith, did just that. When Christ, by faith, went to the cross, when Christ, by faith, suffered in death, when Christ, by faith, hung in the hours of darkness upon the tree, as he suffered, as he endured, he brought forth the righteousness of God through faith. He hung bearing his people's sins and God judged them in righteousness. He hung looking, trusting his God and his Saviour. He looked unto God the Father. He trusted his God even though God condemned him because of the sins that he bore. Yet his faith never failed. He trusted. He looked unto God in perfect love. And he looked unto his people in perfect love. His faith worked by love. And in so doing, he manifested the righteousness of God. God judged his people's sins in his own son. He took them all away. And he made his people to be the righteousness of God in Christ. Having taken every sin away, he made them righteous. That was, and that is, the will of God. Galatians 1, Paul says that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That was and that is the will of God. The will of God and our Father was to send Christ, who gave himself for our sins, 
that he might deliver us from this present evil world. God's will is to save his people from their sins, to manifest his righteousness, to show forth his glory, to preach his gospel unto the ends of the earth throughout all time, that every one for whom Christ died should hear and believe, that they should all be begotten by the word of truth. Of his own will begat he us by the word of truth. Has he come unto you with that word of truth? Have you heard? Do you believe? Do not err, my beloved. This is the gospel. Grace. Free and sovereign grace from God alone by his will alone, and nothing else is. Have you heard?